You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you, worship team, for such a beautiful prayer on such a beautiful day. The parents uh, of the children who were up here this morning had this day postponed at least twice. We had to keep bumping it, but I think it was a beautiful day for us to be here and exceptionally well done. Ricky, thank you very much. We'll have sign-ups for those who want to do do-overs on parent dedications uh, online so you can... uh, Get the same treatment. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, I, now that your masks are off, I can confirm my suspicions that it, it is an exceptionally good-looking crowd. So um, glad that we're all here together today. Nice to be meeting outside. I do have an announcement to make that the elders uh, decided this past week that we will return to indoor services on the first Sunday in December. That's December 6th, so a little bit longer, but then we'll be going back inside. There'll be a lot more details beginning next Sunday. Weather permitting, though, in November, we'll be meeting outside and live stream for Sundays where it's uh, rainy or too cold. Uh, So just be aware of that. Well, I recently heard uh, someone say that if you want to know whether people think you're old or not, fall down in front of them. If they laugh, they think you're young. If they rush to help you, they think you're old. <laughs> so let's just say people come quickly to my aid when that happens. Uh, but look, I, I, didn't need, I don't need those antics to know I'm getting old. I, the amount of time I spend reflecting on the challenges and blessings through the course of my life indicates that I'm getting a little long in the tooth. And for you young ones, you can look that one up. You have a way, right, of doing that? Uh, The the blessings of my life are far too many to recall. But high on the list would be the wonderful staffs that I have worked with, both at TVR and here at Grace. Can you imagine a better staff than the the one the Lord has put together in this place for our family, our church family? Uh, Early in my years at TVR, I was blessed to work with some extremely creative people. Steve Smoker and John Super created the large group group games at camp that involved everyone, campers and staff alike. My favorite game was the Battle of Kings Mountain. It was modeled on the real Battle of Kings Mountain and the Revolutionary War down just south of uh, Charlotte. The British, or excuse me, a little bit west and maybe northwest of Charlotte, the British or the staff Uh, guarded the top of the mountain, and the patriots, or the campers, crawled up their bellies to get to the hill. The first team to take the the hill won the game, and it was a steep hill. It was at the back of the rodeo ring, so if you have been to camp, you know that that, it looks like it just goes straight up. So since our game was based on a war, you had wounds and fatalities, and we used the famous flower-sock weapons that would be hurled in the air toward other people. If you got hit, of course, it'd leave a mark. And uh, a hit on an extremity was a wound. A hit on on the torso was fatal. Two wounds, and you're dead. 
Your team needed strategists to formulate a plan to take the hill. You need athletes. You needed athletes to execute the plan. And you also needed those who carry different color magic markers. Because when you were dead, they could give you a mark on your arm and you'd come back to life and continue to storm the hill. Of course, when you started crawling up the hill, the staff also had water balloons to represent cannons. I love those water balloons, man. I mean, it was just like shrapnel, too. You know, it hit the ground and dirt would fly everywhere. So who were the most important players on the team? The strategists, the athletes, or the workers with the magic markers, the runners? The answer would be a triple yes. Isn't that the way it is at the church? Who is the most, what is the most important position at church? Elder, deacon, home group leader, dishwasher, nursery worker. Well, that's not fair. Of course it's a nursery worker. No, every position is equally important at church. For the proper function of the body, everyone needs to be engaged doing what the Lord has called him or her to. When we get to heaven, we will be rewarded not by the position we held, but by the way we served in the assignment that the Lord gave us. Today's text is Romans 12, 1 through 13, and it is the second of three sermons from these verses. I can almost assure you there won't be four from this text. It started out as one, went to two, and now it's at three, but I'm sure that's going to be it. I, I, I'm, in fact, I'm so looking forward to next week and the way that the text is going to lay, be laid out for us and just the opportunity to go through uh, some staccato type imperatives from the Lord and see how it is that he expects us to live in our relationship with one another and in relationship with those who are outside the body of Christ. So if you have been attending or watching our services online for this last month or so, you know that we have already covered the first two verses of Romans 12. But last week, we jumped to verses 14 to 21. Why? I wanted to preach that portion of the text before the election. I rarely encourage folks to go back and, and listen to a sermon or read a sermon as it's offered. The manuscript is offered online. Uh, but that last week's message is important as the church prepares for persecution, uh, which may increase sooner and at higher levels of intensity than we have considered in the past. We are to pre prepare for persecution, though, together, as instructed by today's text, Romans 12, 3 through 8. That's our primary focus, but we'll pick up verses 1 and 2 for the context. I should also say that the focus on spiritual gifts today is going to consume our time. So we're going to dig into verses 9 through 13 next week. Romans 12, 1 through 8. I was going to have you stand, but since we've already done that just in the last few minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to remain seated as I read from the e English Standard Version. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, the Apostle Paul, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace that we have encountered so uh, richly and beautifully in Romans so far as we've just taken portions of Romans over these last several months. Thank you for uh, the encouragement that you give us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices and for the instruction you give us on living well with one another in the body. So I pray that as we look into your word that you would open our hearts that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what is your spiritual gift? Do you know what a spiritual gift is? You may have heard the term, but you're not exactly sure what it is. Why does God give us spiritual gifts? Is the primary reason to help us know how special we are to our Heavenly Father? A spiritual gift is so called because the Holy Spirit gives us special abilities to serve others within the body of Christ. So says 1 Corinthians 12. You may have never thought about this, but Romans 12 does not mention the Holy Spirit. It is God the Father who gives the gifts in Romans 12. And in Ephesians 4, it is Jesus who gives the gifts. So we call them spiritual gifts based on the, the, the Greek and the fact that the Holy Spirit is so intimately involved in 1 Corinthians 12. But it's amazing, isn't it, to see the entire Trinity involved in our formation. Uh, Jeff talked about this book on spiritual formation that he's been reading, spiritual disciplines. But the entire Trinity is involved in making us, conforming us more and more image, into the image of Jesus. Verse 3 says, For the, by the grace given to me, I, Paul, say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. If the Apostle Paul found his help in God's grace rather than his natural abilities, wouldn't it be wise for us to follow his example? I mean, Paul was the 
ultimate Pharisee of all Pharisees before he came to Christ. He was trusting his good works in order to get to heaven. But he realized on that Damascus road that day that it's nothing that he is, can possibly do that will please God. But it's what Jesus Christ has done on the cross that saves us. If you have never trusted Christ, please don't depend on, I hope I'm good enough to get there, or I think I'm good enough to get there, or looking around at your neighbors and say, I know I'm good enough. It's not. We can't be good enough. The standard is not others. It's God in his, perfected, in his perfection, in his perfect state. So Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, died in our place, and when we acknowledge our sin, as God has called us, <laughs> In, in the ways that God has identified our sin. And as we call out to him to forgive us and, and we trust Jesus. Death on the cross is payment for our sins. Then we become children of God. And in, as children of God we're placed in a family. And this text is going to tell us how that God has designed for us to function with one another. Self-promotion has no place in God's family. You remember Jesus constantly taught his disciples. That we are not to live and act the way that the world does. If we do not use the gifts that God has given us with humility. Then what are we trying to accomplish? Over and over scripture says that if that's your case. If you're, if you're doing what you're doing to be noticed by others. You have your reward. Live in humility. Remember verse 3, the next time you're tempted to think, well, I hope they noticed that, or I'm, I'm sure they did, and I bet they liked it. In verses 4 to 5, the Lord makes it clear. Your gifts are not given to you for your own strengthening and your own edification. The gifts that are given to you are, are to be used in service of others in the family or in the body of Christ. Paul gives what turns out to be a quite humorous analogy of the human body in 1 Corinthians 12 to illustrate the necessity, importance, and importance of every single member. In, in um, Ephesians 4, it talks about every tendon working together. We all are used by God to make the whole thing work. If you're not serving others in the body, then the whole body suffers. So before we think about the individual gifts, I, I want to mention three general principles concerning spiritual gifts, especially those listed here. And look, I'm, I'm just going to read them once. If you're, if you're a note taker, you can go online and go to the sermon section of our website and, and, and get the manuscript of the sermon. But these are a little bit long and it, it would take too, while to, take too long to hang on. Although if I had just gone ahead and repeated myself, we could have done it. Number one, the first major New Testament or the three major New Testament passages about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, plus the mention of a few gifts in 1 Peter 4 are not exhaustive. So if you're thinking, what is my spiritual gift? And you look at all the gifts that are listed in these four places in the New Testament, you, you may think, I don't see it there. Well, may not be listed there. The way that they're sort of broken up and some overlap and some are 
uh, uh, only mentioned in this one place indicates that these gifts are not exhaustive. So what are the ways that you serve the Lord? Graphic design? Woodworking? In the medical field? Cooking for others? How about our worship team and the AV team? Uh, these men and women have worked tirelessly in 2020. And although some of these gifts are, are clearly laid out in the Old Testament, they are not in the New Testament. But there is plenty of evidence that God gives gifts to people for them to use in the service of the body in ways that are not mentioned. Second, the faith attached to the gifts in Romans 12, 3 and 6 are most likely the faith in verse 6, or that is the Christian faith, which is believed by faith in verse 3. In Romans 12, 6, we are told, if one has the gift of prophecy, let him employ that gift in proportion to our faith. Our faith is an interesting way for the ESV to translate what in the Greek would read the faith. The point being, prophets do not speak of themselves or by themselves or just without connection to the, to the word. Their prophecies must be linked to a proper understanding of Scripture. Allison and I have a friend in Australia who mailed us several links to, to uh, speeches by New Testament, what they consider to be New Testament prophets who um, prophesied about the election. And their current prophecies do not seem to be holding up. Now, they may, but for the moment, these prophets uh, have not had their prophecies fulfilled. More about this gift later. The third general statement about spiritual gifts is this, and this is really important. The weaknesses attached to some of the gifts in Romans 12 may be God's mercy to help us with humility, or the warning about the weaknesses may be a better way of saying that, that are attached to these some of these gifts in Romans 12, may be God's mercy to help us with humility. And if we don't live in humility... We're going to regret that when we get to heaven. So when God does things that help us with that, that's a mercy. So the last three gifts listed in our text warn us not so much about the misuse of the gift, but about the corresponding weaknesses that accompany these gifts that God has given us. I know we do not consider weakness to be a mercy, but Romans 7 teaches us if even our failures point us to the Holy Spirit as our only hope for righteous living, then, then we should consider our weaknesses to be a mercy from God, which helps us keep our eyes on Jesus. So Paul's list of seven spiritual gifts begins with prophecy. And this gift needs a little bit more attention than the others in our text. What was, what is the gift of prophecy? Some of the New Testament prophets were like the Old Testament prophets in that they had direct messages from God delivered to the church. And they could properly say, thus says the Lord. 
If you hear someone today say, thus says the Lord, and they say something that is different from the scripture, what would you think? I'll, I'll leave that with you. I'm sure you'll, you'll have the right answer, but we'll come back to it. Um, this was important because the earliest believers, it, it was important that, that, that the Lord established not only apostles, but prophets, because people couldn't just pull a, a Bible off the shelf. They couldn't go to the, 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 the little Bibles that we gave these, these children today. I hope they will be imported to them in years come by to say, and you know what it was, what we were doing. It wasn't really as much a child dedication as it was a parent dedication. It is dedicating that child to the Lord. But as Ricky said, the parents are committing to something here. So it'll probably mean as much to you parents as it will to the children when you see that little Bible. It's a reminder that we belong to him. And, and, and since they couldn't pull that Bible and, and start reading it for themselves, uh, and, and, and they couldn't sit down with a copy of the word like we do with our morning coffee, which is a, quite a blessing, it was important that prophets were among them. The doctrines of the New Testament were being established through the apostles and prophets. And it's worth our time to think about the process that God used to establish his church. And we find that in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Let me read those verses. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is another one of those beautiful analogies. The, the body of Christ, now the household of God. So the doctrine in the New Testament church, in the New Testament uh, church, was established on the teaching of the apostles and prophets. Everyone understood that the apostles were the final authority for doctrinal questions. In Acts 14, 14, Barnabas is listed as an apostle, but the church looked to the 11 and to the leaders of the Jerusalem church for the final word on New Testament truth. Prophets were right behind apostles, next in line as teachers. But notice back in Romans 12, 6, Prophets are to prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, again, the definite article is given in the Greek, and, and, and most scholars are convinced that this means that prophecies had to be measured against the faith or according to the Old Testament scriptures and that which was being established by the apostles in the day. In 1 John 4, 1, the apostle John said to test every spirit because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In other words, test what the prophets say against biblical doctrine. While the authority of the apostles was universal, prophets usually operated on a more local level. Once the apostles died, the New Testament 
was considered to be complete, even though it was the fourth century before the, the canon was codified. Believers attested early on to the divine nature of the 22, uh, 29 books that we know as the New Testament. By the end of the first century, there were, there were no apostles left, and there were no prophets giving direct messages from God to his people. No longer was, was there any need for the office of apostles and there was no need for prophets. So why do you think then that God allowed this gift to be listed for our benefit today? The same could be question, same question could be asked of Ephesians 4 where apostles and prophets are listed as well. I think it's because um, it's clear that this is a model for the way that God establishes his church. By the way, before we move on, let me just say that Jesus said that the one who gives a cup of water in the name of a prophet will receive an equal reward or in the service of Christ will receive an equal reward. That's a paraphrase of Mark's 941. I'm sorry, Mark 941. Even so, this model of a prophet gives us an understanding of God's the high premium God places on teaching. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because if the teaching is off, everything is off. The reason that the apostles even are listed as a gift in Ephesians 4 is for that model. Now, there are some denominations who believe that apostles still function in our day. I do not believe that's what the New Testament teaches. But when a missionary goes into an area where there has been very little or no testimony of the word, that person may function as an apostle of sorts to a, an entire region. In the same way, while there are no prophets who speak direct truth from God to the church, there are those who have keen insight into current events based on a deep understanding of Scripture and discernment from God. There are not many prophets among us in the contemporary sense, but their ministry is important. After prophecy, Paul addresses those who have the gift of service, which covers a lot of the gifts that are unlisted as some of the ones that we mentioned earlier. Peter only mentions teaching and serving in 1 Peter chapter 4. And you should know that Grace Community Church would not be near the gospel-saturated family of believers that it is without the private service of people that you probably don't even know. If Jesus came not to be served but to serve, then we should place a high premium, premium on gifts of service that go beyond normal levels of serving. After service, teaching is listed as a gift. We have a lot of gifted teachers in our body. Look, we could have any as, as many as 15, maybe 20 people preach on Sunday morning if I were not here, and you wouldn't, we wouldn't miss a beat. I'm so grateful for the home group teachers, the student ministry teachers, the amazing children's ministry teachers that we have. 
If you are a teacher, then God has given you an extra measure of discernment as well. Teachers must be able to distinguish between truth and error. Thus, the gift of teaching requires extra study and sometimes a significant amount of extra study. Thank God for our teachers. After teaching comes exhortation or encouragement with a kick. Uh, encouragement is really more the sense here. And a church that was preparing for persecution as they were in Rome needed encouragers. In fact, we need encouragers in all climates, do we not? All cultures, all days. How thankful we are to you, our encouragers. The last three gifts are all given with an admonition to use their gifts in a certain way, which indicates there was a need for said admonitions. The one who contributes or the one who gives should do so with generosity. Are we, are we all called to give to the Lord's work? Yes, we are. We are also all called to serve, to share the gospel, to encourage. But some are called and gifted at higher levels than most of us. I think, and notice, this is my opinion. I think that the gift of giving includes the gift of making. If the gift of giving is for those who have the means to give at higher levels, then it follows that they are gifted with the ability to make money so that they'll be able to give as God's called them to. Do not miss, though, that the, that the givers who are most celebrated in the New Testament were very poor, and there's no indication that their financial status changed because of their sacrificial giving. But the gift of giving probably includes the gift of making. My son, uh, Michael, who is in Boone, taught on Proverbs summer before last. And he said something I'd never really thought about in exactly these terms. He said, Proverbs teaches us how to gain wealth. But wealth is a dangerous blessing that carries heavy responsibilities. You must not be controlled by money, but understand that it is a gift to be used to bless others. Amen. I think the same is true with the gift of giving. The problem is that the more money we make, the less inclined human nature is to part with it. If you have the gift of giving, if that's your gift, give generously. If you have the gift of leadership, lead with zeal. I have to tell you, our elders' meetings this year have been filled with intense energy and joy. I'm kidding. Our meeting this past Wednesday night was great, but there's no doubt that COVID has tried to discourage us. While many pastors, look, obviously in ministry, I'm, I'm getting all of these emails from ministry organizations, and, and, and most of them will say, that the levels of discouragement are at an all-time high amongst pastors in ministry. And a lot of them are not going to survive this. They'll quit either during or after. That's not the case here. 
none of our staff are discouraged. I mean, we're frustrated at times, but we're not discouraged. Why? Because the ministry load is shared by the elders and the deacons and others who serve the Lord's body in the ways that they do. Uh, all our lead, leaders at Grace are leading with as much zeal as Zoom will allow. I, I know you do, but may I remind you, may I ask you to pray often for the elders and the deacons and the staff. We would appreciate it so very much. The last gift mentioned is for one who does acts of mercy, which are to be done with cheerfulness. Uh, this, this would be our benevolence team, our buddy team, our, our ministries of mercy uh, to those who are in need, whether it be helping with finances or transportation to doctor's appointments or house repairs or any number of areas. This work can become tiring. And like so many other areas of church service, a heavy load can fall on a small group of people. I don't think that's the case here. I think most areas have some level of support and backup to the leaders in those ministries. We'll be talking about it in home group this week. Uh, and when the Lord, through Paul, though, admonishes us to perform acts of mercy with cheerfulness, it's a good reminder for the use of all our spiritual gifts. One of my spiritual gifts is encouragement. I'm just natured that way. You know, I just like to encourage other people, but it's easy. I've noticed this for encouragers. It is very easy for those with the gift of encouragement to develop bottom lip protrusion syndrome when they do not receive encouragement commensurate to what they give. But that's the case in all of our gifts, is it not? Uh, years ago, the Holy Spirit reminded me that's not someone else's gift. It's your gift. Furthermore, we're not given gifts for our own edification, but for the edification of others. You, you may be tempted to think or to say, well, if everyone would just give like they should give, or if everyone would just help clean up like they should, or if everyone would just pray like they should. You know what? I haven't heard that in many years at Grace. I just haven't heard that. But there's always that temptation to think that your gift is clearly the most important one. And if everybody else would just chip in. But that's not the way gifts work. That's not the way the body works. When you try to kick something with your elbow or your shoulder, what happens? It's just not going to happen like it ought to happen. I don't know why I thought about kicking something when I'm thinking about the gifts of God. But there you go. Although we are all called to pray, some are called to pray more often and more persistently than others. Some are called to carry our church through difficult times by faith in God's sovereignty. And like the dishwashers and the nursery workers, our service to the body may be rendered in obscurity. But not only is it essential to what the Lord is doing at Grace Community Church, if your service is from the heart, it is noticed in heaven. You will 
be rewarded for your service. So no matter what your gift is, use it cheerfully. I want to close this morning with a quote from a brother who was helping the church to prepare for persecution when he wrote his wonderful book, Life Together. I, I'm speaking for those of you who would know who wrote this, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and if you didn't know, now you know, whose execution, now think about this, he was a, a, a dissident in, the, in, the, in Germany, uh, in the Nazis, uh, speaking against the Nazis. And it's said that Adolf Hitler personally oversaw and demanded his execution just days before the POW camp where Bonhoeffer was in prison, was liberated by Allied troops. And we think, how tragic, what a waste. But God is sovereign, and he understood it. Before the war began, Bonhoeffer saw the days ahead as a prophet. He said this, quote, it is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace. Let me say that again. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters is a gift of grace. A gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us. That the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians, praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. Amen. Let us give thanks. Our Father, uh, our hearts are filled with gratitude that your design for living this life in this world where we are clearly in the minority, increasingly so, where we um, recognize that we're living as foreigners and aliens in a land that is not our final home or destination. Thank you that that design includes relationship with others. And it's so intimate that it's called a body. It's called a building in which the stones are connected to one another and we're all tied into the cornerstone. Who is Jesus? Thank you that you have given us the gifts that you have and that we see, we are able to see and discern at our particular church that you have done this so beautifully and we have people in many areas of service. And while we have need for backup and occasionally we have need for someone to take a particular vital role in the church that is currently unfulfilled, for the most part, Lord, you have given us all the gifts necessary for doing the work. And as David so faithfully prays, may we exalt the Lord 
establish believers and engage the world with the gospel. Lord, you have given us so much. Now may we recognize that to whom much is given, much is required. May we serve with grateful, joyful hearts and help one another during these times, these times in which you have placed us and called us to serve and to share the gospel with the world. And it's in, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.